until you have so internalized the belief system and so internalized the wishes of the leader that you are living in this bounded reality, this closed world, and your mind, in a sense, is in a state of mind that I call bounded choice. And at that point, your choices are limited and constrained by the confines of the group and the desires of the leader. So that, so that your free will, if we're going to talk about free will, which comes up a lot in court cases, your free will, in a sense, is altered by the will of the leader. Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. My name is Aldo Martin. And I'm Cousin Eddie. And together, we're going to explore what it's like to be in and leave a religious cult. For more info on the Reclamation Podcast, find me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Aldo B. Martin. Well, I think the um, I think the really personal element speaks to people in a way better than, say, some academic who's going to say, oh, this happens and that happens and that happens. But when you have, for example, in my book, Escaping Utopia, which is based on, you know, interviews with 65 people who grew up in a cult, born or raised in a cult. You know, when you hear these people in their own words describing, you know, the abuse they went through or the, the neglect from their parents because their parents were so devoted to the cult or, you know, or what it was like to finally come out into the, quote, real world and not know anything about it or how to survive or don't know what a GED is or how to get a driver's license. You know, I think hearing people say those things, uh, talk about the, you know, the loss and the grief and the struggles um, and also some of the joys, you know, one the one story I love is the the young woman who goes into the grocery store and sees all the different boxes of cereal and just like, wow, look at all this here. Look at all this jam. I can buy all this, you know, look, look at all these, look at all these choices. Right. Yeah. And it's just like this moment for her, you know? And so I think that, I think that resonates more with people. <laughs> and I also think it, it helps people see that this happens. This can happen to anybody. This isn't like stupid, weird, crazy people who join these groups, you know, these are idealistic people who, who either want a better world or, or a better life in some way or a better family, or maybe it's even prosperity to make more money. But, you know, it's idealism that hooks people, not that they're weak or stupid. I mean, cults don't want weak and stupid people because you have to run the businesses and you have to recruit and bring in contacts. And, you know, so they're looking for the best and the brightest. You, you've used the term, and I think you alluded to it um, when you mentioned uh, the uh, the group that you were part of. It was a study group or something. Mm-hmm. You, you, you've used the term a front group, that front cults, group. Cult, cults use a front group. Can you mm-hmm. expound on that a little bit? Sure. Um, you know, for, if, for example, in my case, we had... Um, we had a group called U.S. Out of Central America. So that was one of our front groups. So it was to- I'm sorry, can you repeat the name? What was it? U.S. Out of Central America. So this is when all the stuff with Nicaragua and El Salvador and everything was going on in the, in the 80s. And so it was to attract people who had that interest, right? So we got people who were, who were like in Latin American studies and things like that, right? Uh, or we had a front group called the Rebel Worker Organization, which we- you know, took into the workplaces to recruit workers. And then we had the, 
patient, I forget, what was, I can't remember the exact name, but some patient healthcare organization to recruit nurses. And, you know, so many groups, I mean, the Unification Church, I think, has 30 different front groups. Um, you know, other groups will form um, a group whose name I won't mention will, will, you know, sort of, if there's a tornado or a hurricane, they'll send people to that area to uh, help, but they're really there to recruit. Uh, so front groups and the and many of the religious or spiritual cults, you know, will use a, a Bible study or studying a course in miracles or some new age book, and 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 they slowly draw you into the background organization. I feel like we could end the interview here because <laughs> a lot has already been said, and I need to I need time to digest it all. This is this is really fascinating. I've heard you say something to the effect of. Uh, cult leaders are not there to take care of you. Right. Cult members are there to take care of the cult. Exactly. Can you explain that? Well, first of all, um, I would say most cult leaders are narcissists, which means it's all about me, right? Me, 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 me. And everybody is there to serve me and to fulfill my wishes and meet my demands. <clears throat> so, People in the group, uh, that's what they're expected to do, either by, you know, uh, being an actual servant, being perhaps a, 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 a sexual mistress or slave, uh, being, you know, be bringing in money, bringing in important contacts. Um, cult leaders, I'd say, for the most part, are pretty lazy and they don't really want to do anything. And so it's really the members who do everything. You know, once the cult is formed, so say here you've got this guy who's got some great idea, right? And he's offering some type of salvation. He gets a couple of followers. All he needs is a couple of followers. Those people then go out and recruit more people. And once he's got a structure set up and he's got his sort of his or her, there are certainly also female cult leaders. You know, once he's got his rank of lieutenants or second level leaders, whatever. And then people are trained to be recruits. Like I was the recruitment officer. I trained everybody in recruitment in my group. I taught them how to go out and do it. I went on recruitment meetings to show them. So everybody has a job that's there to keep the cult going and keep the cult growing and keep the cult leader happy. And whether his or her happiness is money, sex, or power, or all three, that's the way it works. You've also used a term called a bounded reality. Yes. And tell us what that is. And do you think it is easy to leave such groups? The, the framework that I use is called bounded choice. And within, so what happens is you join one of these groups and they're, and they're what I call a self-sealing system, right? They're closed off. They're closed within themselves. And in many cases, you, you absolutely directly are not allowed to, say, read the newspaper, watch television, listen to music, whatever it might be. Even if that isn't an absolute directive, usually you don't have time to do those things. You don't have time to go to movies. You don't have time to listen to the radio or watch TV, right? So <clears throat> the information coming in is very limited, if at all. And it's controlled by the organization, right? It's controlled by keeping you busy. It's controlled by setting up these 
behavioral standards of what you can and can't do and people reporting on each other. So you end up living in this bounded reality. It, you're, you're, you're not living in the same world as everyone else in a sense, right? You're really in this closed environment. And through that process, you're also being indoctrinated, right? You're, you're over and over and over again. You're being taught what to believe, how to behave, how to respond. Uh, if you do something bad, you'll be, quote, punished in some kind of way. There'll be some kind of, you know, penance, whatever that might be. And then you start all over again. Um, and it goes day after day after day like that until you have so internalized the belief system and so internalize the wishes of the leader that you are living in this bounded reality, this closed world, and your mind in a sense is in a state of mind that I call bounded choice. And at that point, your choices are limited and constrained by the confines of the group and the desires of the leader. So that, so that your free will, if we're going to talk about free will, which comes up a lot in court cases, your free will, in a sense, is altered by the will of the leader. So, yes, you have decisions to make, small decisions they don't care about, right, in, in most cases. But significant decisions like, uh, should I talk back to the leader? Should I think about leaving? You cannot entertain those decisions. So you know exactly the choice you need to make. You know that leaving the group means death either literal or figurative, right? Because you've been implanted with such fear of the outside world, and in some cases, hatred of the outside world, that your only hope for survival is staying on the path with this leader. I'm really at a loss for words because everything you're saying is is you're, you're really uh, describing my, my experience without even knowing me. And this is the first time we've ever met right. <laughs> and, and conversed. So what are... What are some of the effects of leaving a cult, right? Mm. Like, like when people finally do leave, what are some of the the after effects? Like, what 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 happens to people? Is there is there a common theme? Yes, um, I would say uh, most people um, feel a lot of guilt and shame. Um, they feel guilty about things they saw or witnessed that they couldn't do anything about, or maybe things that they had to participate in. Uh, they feel um, stupid, like, why didn't I leave sooner? Why didn't I figure this out sooner? What's wrong with me? Um, they feel uh, a lot of panic and anxiety because when you think about it, you're in this world where everything's set up for you, right? You're waiting for Armageddon or whatever it is, the revolution, right? Everything's packaged for you. Nothing happened by happenstance, right? You're in this very closed, orchestrated world. Suddenly you're out in the world and you're on your own. You have to make your own decisions. You have to figure out what to do. You have to figure out how to build a life. So depending on what resources you might have when you do get out, like if you have family or friends out there who can help you, our society doesn't offer you any resources. So forget about that, right? But um, you have to deal with all the practical issues of putting your life back together, as well as sort of philosophical or belief issues. Like, what do you want to believe in now? 
Um, I, you know, when I got out, I remember thinking I was, I was critical of my experience in the left, but I knew I didn't want to become a right-wing nut, right? So I had to, you know, I had to, I spent a lot of time uh, studying uh, things on the left and reading Marx over again and reading the communist dissidents to understand like, well, what went wrong with socialism? And, you know, because that was important to me. So you've got all these challenges. Um, people, uh, you know, again, depending on how long they were in the group and their role in the group, um, you know, there's a lot of trauma that's experienced. So people will have nightmares. They'll have these panic attacks. They'll, you know, the thing I hear most often, especially for kids who were born in cults, is like they feel like they just landed from Mars, right? You you feel like you're different from everyone else. And you don't know if you should tell them about your story or not tell them. And usually when you start telling them about your story, you tell them too much. And we call that flooding. It just kind of all comes out. And then people are looking at you like, what? You know, so there's like all these ways to adjust to societal norms that you haven't had to do for the last however many years. You you've clearly you've had a ton of experience on this topic, whether it be part of one or writing about one or lecturing about one and and currently doing work to help people process being in one. And by one, I mean a cult. Mm-hmm. So our podcast speaks to and speaks with former members of the ICOC, as we mentioned earlier. In your professional opinion, can this group be considered a cult? How or 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 why not? Well, I... Uh, I'll be honest and say I don't know where ICOC is at right now. I haven't um, I, I haven't had many many people contacting me about it recently. Certainly, in the I guess it was in the '90s uh, when it was really big, um, and I and there were a lot of people coming to me, a lot of people telling their stories, um, and. At the time, it certainly seemed to me like a very cultic group. Um, there were like so many restrictions. Um, people felt really taken advantage of and exploited. Um, people got out and 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 were hurt and damaged. Um, so, I mean, I, I, as I said, I don't know where it stands now. I don't even know if if the same guy is alive. Is he still alive? The same leader? alive, alive and kicking. Alive and kicking. Okay. Yeah. Cause he was pretty young even back then. I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you have to tell me, is it still thriving as it was a decade or so ago? So here, here's the thing, right? So I, I was, um, I, I became a member in the nineties and left in the early two thousands. And, and I thought that this program was designed for helping people heal that left, you know, in the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s. I thought it was going to be for the people of my generation, right? I'm 45, so I'm thinking it's going to be for people that are around my age who left back then. So after we put out the program uh, and we're getting messages from people, I th- again, I thought it was going to be from the people of my generation. I was getting messages from people who left the group in 2021, wow. 2020. 2017 and 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 some of these younger people were listening to the program as we're you know telling the stories they were just fascinated and in awe and in shock of how 
my story was similar to theirs. Mm-hmm. Despite this long gap, mm. despite this long gap, so mm-hmm. so to answer your question, I thought they had stopped those ways, but based off of what people are saying, the mm-hmm. answer is no. Kind of like when I asked you earlier about you know using personal accounts, right? Mm-hmm. How that helps to to kind of tell the story. So mm-hmm. uh, the 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 leader that you're talking about. He has left the ICOC and started Kip another group. McKean, right? Kip McKean, right? Kip, see, I didn't even have to tell you. I didn't even have to tell you. you know, <laughs> I'm getting old, so it takes me a while, but I know. Nah, nah, you are sharp as a tack. I, I, I hope that I can be like you tomorrow. How about that? Okay? So you're sharp as a tack. So yeah, that's that's the name. And, and I didn't even want to mention the guy's name. I didn't even have to say it. You just... Listen, for the listeners out here, for the listeners, Dr. Lilich and I, we did not plan this other than we're planning to meet at this time. I didn't tell her the questions. I didn't know. None of that. She knew the time frame of the ICOC. She said the 90s. That that was the heyday. Listen to this. So, So he started a new group. So the new group certainly acts like the one of the 90s. Hmm. And the ICOC, according to people I've been speaking to, are doing the same thing that you described. So wait a minute. So the new group has a different name? Oh, man. So are you ready for this? So it started with Church of Christ, which is COC. Right. And splintered off to ICOC, International Mm -hmm. Church of Christ. Right. And he got kicked out in 2006. That's right. And began something called the ICC, the International Christian Church. Oh boy! <laughs> so that is me. Oh man, listen, listen. It's he's, he's stuck on that. So yeah, so it's it's still happening in different iterations and in different names, and it's it's um it's fascinating. So in doing this podcast, I learned a lot and learned that it's still happening, and I think so that's speaking. But the people you're talking to, they're from the. ICC or the ICOC? Both. <laughs> OPP, ICOC, whatever, all of that. <laughs> no, it's uh, they're from both groups. Oh, okay. From and who groups. runs ICOC? Uh, ICOC is not run the same way. There isn't a central person. Oh, okay. They, they, they run as independent uh, um, corporations, so to speak. Uh-huh. Freelance contracting calls. <laughs> <laughs> they're contract. They're independent contractors now. <laughs> McDonald's, <laughs> like McDonald's, right? However, however, those individual franchises operate under the same model as before. Oh, so so there isn't there isn't an international leader, but there is the leader of let's say whatever city that they're in. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's 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 the same thing. It's it's the same thing. Yeah. And do they have any contact with Kip McKean? I don't know. I so don't know. Other other than slander of one another, uh-huh. I okay. don't know. But they're uh, using the same model. The same model. And, and, and I'm just basing that off of what people have, have, uh, have mm-hmm. been messaging me and even interviews that we've done. We interviewed a young lady um, uh, just before uh, we spoke with you, and she... She got baptized with the group in 2017 mm-hmm. and left in 2019 and was just flabbergasted as to how similar these stories are, you know? So yeah. l- 
let me ask you this now, Dr. Lalich, as we as we uh, as we wind down. Do you think that there are symptoms of someone who's in a cult? Because I'm 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 imagining we might have people listening who are wondering about a loved one. And and thinking, man, is this person in a cult? Do you think that there's such a thing as a symptom of somebody who's in a cult? Well, I think there are signs that you can observe. Um, and it depends on, you know, what kind of contact you have with the person. But, you know, if someone starts to uh, be really single-minded, they only want to talk about one thing, uh, maybe they they change their dress, Um Maybe they, um, you know, they're constantly proselytizing whenever they see you. They want to try to get you to come to something or there's certain subjects they just won't talk about at all. Um, sometimes, depending on how long someone is, sometimes people have a very flat affect, meaning that they seem kind of emotionless. You know, they're, they're kind of like it's what back in the day we used to call the 10,000 mile stare. You know, it just they're just kind of not there. Um and of course, if they're avoiding seeing you, um, putting you off, you know, especially for family um, or old friends. And um, if they, you know, if they're in school and they drop out of school, if they have hobbies that they don't do anymore, like, oh, so-and-so used to always play the guitar. No, nope, not anymore. Or only plays Bible songs or whatever, right? <laughs> uh, so, you know, there are signs like that that you can notice uh, from the outside. You've provided us with loads of examples now of, 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 what, of what the makings of a cult are, but perhaps you can tell us in explicit terms, right? What makes something a cult? Well, I, I mean, I think what makes something a cult is the hierarchy, the, the authoritarian leader um, who creates a structure that has no checks and balances. So there's no opportunity to criticize or challenge things. And secondly, I think the other important thing is the indoctrination process that sometimes people don't even realize what that is, which essentially is taking, attacking the person's self and kind of creating a new person who's a good, loyal cult member. And then Finally, the um, the exploitation of the members, whether that's financial or sexual or just power abuse. Now, you've researched lots of cult groups over the years, and you've spoken with lots of survivors or people that can be called defectors or people that have, quite frankly, overcome right uh, groups like this. Mm -hmm. And you've also lived within a cult, and you've witnessed many cults over the course of your life. Right. Like we had uh, Jim Jones. I think that was 78. We had Heaven's Gate, 1997. So those are some of the bigger ones. And I'm sure there were some minor ones uh, in between and even beyond that. What is it that all these cults, regardless of their religious or political in nature, what do they have in common, in your opinion? Well, what they have in common uh, is, I think, first of all, uh, what I call a transcendent belief system, perhaps more simply, an all or nothing belief system where the ends justify the means. And whenever you have an ends justify the means philosophy, that means anything goes. Um, so I think that's certainly one common trait across all the groups. Um, and also 
what I call the the uh, systems of influence and control or the, the mechanisms and techniques uh, of control and influence that are used in the cult, even though they may be called something different or they may express themselves in a different way, there's parallels across all groups of these kinds of techniques that are used to uh, get the followers to conform and comply and be obedient. You you mentioned the word techniques. Do you think that these techniques are, uh, they come organically or are these things purposely done for the purpose of moving the uh, the organization forward? No, I think they're purposely done. I mean, nothing happens by chance in a cult. <laughs> so I think generally it's set up in a way that these techniques, which are just basic social psychology, right? It's it's preying on people's emotions, on their fear, their love, whatever, their dedication, their idealism, right? So it's things that are pushing their buttons to get them to respond in a certain way. And uh, they're definitely very orchestrated. I mean, cults will put you through various tests, for example, to, you know, in one cult, for example, you had to call your family and disconnect from them. And someone from the cult sat there with you while you did that as a new member. And that was a test to put you through. Were you really going to do that? And if you did that, you just, you know, you lost a little bit of yourself one more time. So all of it is very, uh, very intentional. I want to go back to your experience. When did you realize that you were in a cult and and how did you pick up the pieces of your life to the point that you are now a former professor and a supporter of people that have been affected by such groups? Oh, boy. <laughs> and I ask you again, how much time do you have? Next time on The Reclamation. I think of it as turning a bad thing into a good thing. You know, I I feel like I went through something very real and very traumatic and millions of people have those experiences. And, you know, because of the knowledge that I have, I want to I want to help educate the I want to educate the public about these groups and I want to help survivors 